You are listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number five. Hello and welcome back to the Per Service Podcast. This is the show about life in the performing arts. We help musicians and artists find meaning and advice on how to succeed in an unconventional lifestyle. Because we don't have nine to five jobs and many people look at you like you're growing a third arm when you tell them this. You mean you don't have a real job? Nope. But with this freedom of schedule also comes lots of challenges that must be overcome personally because you don't have a boss or a time card keeping you accountable. And today we're talking about two of these challenges, balance and routine, two words that have many different interpretations. And we discuss some of the ways that you can have more balance and routine in your life. We get into these topics by looking closer at Christian Marshall's story. This is the second of four episodes where we dig a little deeper into who we are, and today is his story. You can listen to my story in episode number four, uh, which is online at perservice.co forward slash four. And you can see all the links and stories that we mention in this episode in the show notes at perservice.co slash five, because it's episode number five today. We'll introduce Christian more in depth, but your other co-hosts are... If we were music theory classes, Anna Luce, she'd be Theory 101. Foundational principles often ending in a perfect, authentic cadence. Christian Marshall, he'd be Counterpoint. Multiple ideas going in different directions, but somehow it all works out in the end. Michael Giblin, that's me. I'd be early and renaissance theory, slow moving, illegible handwriting, missing a line or two in the staff, but the initiator of many great things to follow. And Jessica Wiersma, she'd be modern theory. Really, there are rules. Or maybe not. I I don't know. Um, Basically, anything goes. Well, uh, one last thing. We are now on Instagram. Woohoo! under the handle Per Service Podcast. And we'd love it if you shared with us a picture of your gig of the week or what your workspace looks like. You can use the hashtag Per Service or hashtag Gig of the Week and we'll repost some of the best ones we see. Okay, so let's get to it. Thanks, Jason. All right. Christian, take us away. Welcome back, faithful Per Service podcast listeners. I am your host for today, Christian Marshall, and I would just like to welcome my other co-hosts, Anna Luce. Who, who gave you the power to... Excuse me, Mr. Take It Away. <laughs> oh, I just got I'm, excited because I was leaving. Well, this is the episode that you, we're going to be exactly. diving into. <laughs> That's why I thought... Oh, wow. Di- diving, digging into the, the deep life of uh, Christian Liberty Marshall. I guess Liberty that's Marshall. why violists never give cues in quartets. Oh, my God. Oh, oh man. Oh, they can't be trusted. Someone, <laughs> well, someone's got a little concertmaster syndrome going on. Oh, um, it's such a, it's such, you know, there is something about that, like the uh, necessary uh, self-confidence, I think, you know, that the violinists have to have to, you know, put yourself out there. Ego. Yeah. That's that's the nice way, or like that's the positive spin on it. But that's one way to put it. <laughs> so yeah, something I'm very excited to talk about today is mm-hmm. our gig of the week. Ooh, gig of the week. I need like a exciting audio like a soundtrack to go with that. The gig of the week. Gig of the week. 
Maybe you played Mahler way too slow, or airboat at the Super Bowl, accompanied Emmanuel Axe, or Barbara Walters' birthday bash. Maybe you made lots of dough, or ate your pay from TSO. Tell us all about it from your gig of the week. Maybe you nailed everything, or faked your way through Rider Spring, got paid in beer and Taco Bell, or suffered through more pocketbills, saw Essa Pekasalanen, or one of the Kardashians. Tell us all about it in your gig of the week. Gig of the week! I'll find something. Gig of the week, week, week. <laughs> Yeah, anything exciting in your neck of the woods there? Oh, you were in America. You weren't even in your neck of the woods, right? I was not. Yeah, you were supposed to come see me, and you didn't. I was on my mm. own. Mm. Uh-oh. True. Hi. America. It's, um, it's a big was, country, so it's, uh, yeah, it's it not is. like I was, yeah. Tennessee and New York. Are. That's true. I did traverse. I did traverse the country, and one highlight was revisiting my old stomping grounds. Uh-huh. I spent two weeks, actually two and a half weeks in uh-huh. Nashville, guest teaching nice. at Vanderbilt University School of Music. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Maria, my fiance and oboist, and I, we coached the university orchestra. Wow. The whole like university orchestra, not just like sectional, not just viola section. University Sorry. Symphony Orchestra. Wow. On Haydn's 85th Symphony, the uh-huh. first of his pair of symphonies, La Reine. Uh, the Queen. Oh, thank you. And thank you for that. They performed it from memory. Not sorry. What? Whoa, totally not true. <laughs> <laughs> I got excited thinking about something else. That was it. Okay. <laughs> they performed it without a conductor. Ah. Oh, that's and, very different. Uh, okay. Yeah. And they did a very good job. I was super proud of them. Wow. I uh, got some good results. The faculty were also very impressed. I got some good feedback. And while I was there, I got to get give a couple private lessons, coach a couple chamber music groups, and I did two master classes. And um and I really liked it and and I think everything was I thought everything was going well. And but the best part of it is, you know, I get back to Europe and I check my email and I have an email from a student just saying, you know, I just had my recital. I have to say thank you so much for the master class and the lesson. It really helped my recital, but gave me like some great things overall for my playing. I really have to thank you a lot. Wow. And I just thought that was nice. sweet. Yeah, so nice to hear. That makes it all worth it. Yeah, it, it was so worth it. And um, I also got some feedback from some faculty saying like, wow, you should really consider teaching or you should try to find some private students. Like this is definitely a good fit for you. And so it was something I had never thought about before, but it went really well. And I, what I'm most grateful for in that gig of the week was just the fact that I really had so much joy doing it because the music mm-hmm. was so great. And then just to get this word of thanks on top of it just was like, you know, the cherry nice. on top. So that was my gig of the week. It was pretty That's fun. a stellar what about you gig of the week right there. Piggybacking off of uh, Vanderbilt doing conductorless oh. work. That was definitely my gig of the week. It was the only gig of the week right. for me, actually. Right, and you were concertmaster <laughs> of DC. this, right? Yeah, this is the group that I've, I guess I've been concertmaster of Ars Nova Chamber Orchestra in D.C. since 2011. Wow. But it's definitely a group that's still trying to get off the ground. D.C. is a little tricky as far as grant writing and funding goes, as you may imagine. Yeah. So a lot of these people play for free, which is very unusual in our country and not always the best, but the spirit is great. And it's always a hard week of work. And for whatever reason, we programmed Dvorak 8 for not only chamber orchestra, but conductorless chamber orchestra. Although they prefer the term self-conducted, which is interesting if you think about it versus unconducted. So it's not that there's no conducting because obviously that wouldn't work. So Yeah. yeah, that was a fulfilling experience. I would, gosh, 
I would think a lot of the burden then would fall on you to kind of, well, <laughs> did you have to like, you had to like study the score? Well, that's the, the idea like of stuff? these groups is that everyone knows the score inside and out. And I'll say a good percentage of this group in particular does know the score, which is crucial for conductorless or self-conduct, whichever yeah. term you like to use. But of course there are the people that don't know it. I'm sure. Tell me like real quick though. Is it like there has to be some order? Because is there really like the second bassoon or the third bass player can just pipe up at any time and say, I think we should play this a little more faster? Or Oh yeah. We, I, in fact, you know, I, th- I would yeah. say that our biggest discussion that everyone chimes in on is tempo. Yeah. Um, stan- like typically... Um, I would say brass and percussion are the ones that are like, this should go faster. (laughs) And they're usually right. But then sometimes they're like, faster, faster. I'm like, wait, guys, if no one's waving a stick around, we kind of have to work together, which is like the whole charm of of doing it. But I was like, Dvorak, this is crazy. But we... We pulled it off as well as we could. Wow. So it was a, a very much a learning experience, but a, a fulfilling one in the end. Yeah. Wow. I just like can't imagine yeah. that being done conductorless, to be honest. But like, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a symphony that's underplayed. Everyone yeah. talks about New World, but eight is really great. Yeah. Eight is great. I had sort of a, a little bit of a downer of a week. I, I played sort of a chamber concert with choir there was it was kind of it was basically like accompanying the choir for this uh mozart mass but unfortunately it was like the choir conductor that was conducting the whole orchestra and that just like usually doesn't go well it's almost just funny that they're like the terminology that's just like baked into their training is just like really different when you know addressing instrumentalists He's, he'll say things like yeah. When you start that shake in measure 35, you know, start on the upper note first. I mean, like, what? Yeah, like, like, oh, the trill. <laughs> the shake, shake is what he said. Yeah. That yeah, a, that was that a, a trill. trill? Like, yeah. Which is funny because, like, I've yeah, I was like, when you're singing, I guess that's all you do. You just go, oh, <laughs> you just kind of. Okay. Well, Jess, is a, a singer, Jess is a vocalist. So, as a singer who's had like training. formal training in advanced places. That's not. That's not that's real. Not like we call it a trail. Okay. That's, <laughs> wow. So I'm not sure where, where he was, went. To school, or then he would say like, things like, <laughs> "Thanks for doing trail. this, you know, early classical uh, works. I, you know, I wish we could do these like big, full-throated symphonies or something." I was just, I was like, "Oh, I, I guess I know what you're saying, but that's funny." I don't know. So it was a little bit of a struggle of the week, but pros, there's ups and downs. Yeah. I am did a young people's concert, as they call them these days. And so we played um, with this group called Project Trio. Project Trio? Yeah. And it's interesting. Is that like the classical music project runway? (laughs) It is. It is a little bit, actually, because it's a cello, a double bass, and flute. Mm. And uh, so they write a lot of their own stuff and whatever. Clearly. Yeah. But (laughs) also... They actually like, do a really good job with of... like kids concerts. I thought like the way that they handled it was like actually like very engaging. But what is really interesting about this group is the flute player is a beatboxing flutist. Ooh. Oh yeah. Those and are... um it was like pretty cool. I kept getting worried that like he was gonna get really lightheaded because there is a lot of blowing going on. But like he <laughs> I mean obviously he's been doing it for a long time, so he's fine. It was very, you know, so I've, I've spent my weekend getting paid not that much money and uh, playing with a beatboxing flute player. So it was 
Was it with orchestra or like you were the violinist in the No, it was with the orchestra. With orchestra, okay. And actually, I thought that the, like, so they did their own arrangements of stuff with orchestra. And I actually, I like the stuff better that they did without orchestra, like when they did their own stuff. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, great YouTube videos of like beatboxing flute players. There's like a guy that does like, I think like. It's yeah. probably this guy. It's probably actually, is him. It's like, that's like He's kind of how guy. they got their start is I, when his beatboxing flute video went viral oh, yeah right well he then did a, a beatboxing <laughs> tutorial which of course the kids thought was like oh yeah the best that's cool so actually to be honest the best in my opinion the best um like young people's concert i've done in a long time yeah. just like they really engaged people like the kids they had a good mix of i don't know some classical stuff but then like some of their own stuff so it was good. And and like the kids were engaged and a lot of times when they when you do these concerts it's a dead audience because it's like yeah. done by people who don't know. Yeah. So I thought that they did really well and I thought it was actually a really great example of like just the way that they interact with the audience was a good way of like oh this is like how people should do these things more. Anyway. That's cool. Yeah, I'll put that in the in the show notes. I there's no uh beatboxing violinist. There's there's a whole market Well, and out I there feel like we could do it because like <laughs> You can keep playing while you're doing that. <laughs> That's what I thought was amazing is he could like beatbox into his flute and then like play a random note. And while he was doing it, it was kind of cool. I was like, "That's impressive." I saw a guy do it on cello. Actually, the guy who's in the the pentatonics, the um, the cellist. He's like he's the guy who does mm-hmm. the beatboxing for the pentatonics, and then um, he's also a I cellist. I forget his name, but I saw him do. Yeah, he's also a cellist. He's like really good, and he did this thing that he was like beatboxing and playing cello. It was pretty amazing. I'll see if I can find it. But we should get to Christian. It was uh, you, you were back at your old stomping ground. That is where um, we're kind of digging into your story today and seeing. I think that was a good setup to see kind of where you are today. Like you are freelancing and mostly playing orchestra concerts but right, coming right. back to your alma mater and teaching master classes and and stuff are you today where you thought you would be when you started or uh definitely not because i'm not in america yeah um <laughs> i never thought that i would come to europe but i'm super glad that i did and i love everything that i experience here and have experienced and look forward to experiencing um so take us. Why don't you take us back then? Like where where did where did it all start? Well, if you've read my bio on the Per Service Podcast <laughs> page, then you will see uh, I About started page. music uh, because my older sister, who began learning violin as an adult, gave me a violin for Christmas just after my thirteenth birthday. So I was uh-huh. sawing away Suzuki style perpetual motion, <laughs> and uh, loved yeah. it. You know, soared through that method. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I played violin. I think I started just before I turned 15. So I just kind of had the violin around for a while, but never yeah. had lessons. So you're and kind of I, a late late starter by Suzuki Yeah, late standards. starter. Really annoying. <laughs> and um, and mm-hmm. then I switched to viola when I was 18. What prompted that switch? A car you? accident. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if... Somewhere right? in the world there was a car Not accident. Funny. I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I was in a I was in a car accident and uh, couldn't play for several months because I was pretty injured. And uh, when I went back to playing, I got a new violin and uh, took it to like a hobby luthier uh, mm-hmm. to have it che- to have it worked on. And uh, he happened to also be the acting principal violist of the Nashville Symphony at the time. 
And he was like, wow, you're a really like tall guy, you know, long arms and stuff. You should try viola. And I was like, ha ha, like I'd rather make viola yeah. jokes. And he was like, no, really. <laughs> and so he, he let me play his like beautiful, you know, couple century old Italian viola. And I loved the sound. Uh-huh. I took one home that week. And uh, went back to pick up the violin, but also bought a viola and pretty much left wow. the violin in the case. And I've played viola ever since. Wow. No looking back. Yeah. So did you audition on viola to get into undergrad? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I took a year off in between high school and college. Uh, right. And, well, I took some classes at Blair and played in the orchestra and stuff for a year. And then I, oh, and wow. then I went and did my undergrad, That's which I'm very oh, thankful okay. for because my senior year of undergrad, there was a brand new... Uh, exchange program with um, IES in Vienna. Mm. That's the international, or I think it's a Institute of European Studies or also called International Education for Students. And um, a professor of mine who had actually studied in Salzburg came out uh, into the hall one day and was just like, Christian, I think you should go abroad to Austria. You'd love it. Mm -hmm. It'd be great for you. You can learn German when you get there. And I took her advice and I went abroad the first semester of my senior year, fell in love with it, decided to come back. And uh, that was 10 years ago. Wow. And had you studied German like at all in no. high school? Like was that, you know, that's what I think would be most scary. Right. I think about going, studying overseas is like, was it an easy adjustment to that? Or I think it you... was. I think um, I'm a little bit like by birth, somewhat of a naive person. And so I think like, Whatever I didn't understand about the language or culture, my uh-huh. fantasy just kind of like made up. Sort of. <laughs> like <laughs> filled in like, the gap. It, it like my fantasy just filled it in. Like I can't remember uh-huh. things that I like didn't understand. Huh. Like wow. I, I know I So your very active imagination just totally like I don't know what they were like saying. And then eventually oh, that's hilarious. eventually I didn't know what they were saying. Wow. And then, but then, so something else I wanted, I'm curious about is I feel like when we started a conservatory or music school, like you're really kind of there to study with that teacher and you like, it takes a while to like build up a relationship and build rapport and understand exactly what they're trying to get at. But did switching schools for the last year, was that a concern that like, oh, I'm just finally, I don't know, at least for me, I felt like after three years, I'm just like really starting to work well with my teacher and well like i said i'm a bit of a naive person so (laughs) you know i you know it's an advantage i think sometimes to to be able to jump you know blindly into what you don't know yeah i i honestly i don't think i gave it much thought i think it was just like Mm. hey i'm gonna give it a try and i did wow um i think that's really amazing as a musician because at least where i went to school unless you were a singer it was not really smiled upon to go abroad as a mm-hmm. music student, especially like if you were in performance. So I think that's really cool because like I never got to, I never, I mean, I've traveled abroad, so I didn't feel like I was missing out totally. Mm. But like my teacher is basically like, if you go abroad, you are dead to me. Like, no, I, <laughs> it was kind of like, no. I had a wonderful teacher and she was very understanding. That's I cool. even considered staying abroad for the whole year because I loved it. And she was like, oh, wow. of course, she was like, you're like a kid in a candy shop. She's like, how could I want to hold that back from you? So she was super understanding, which I appreciated. And I think it was definitely the right thing for me at that time. I think it's brilliant that you did that as a modern instrumentalist because it's so common for 
historical performance people to want to travel to Europe to understand better performance practice stuff. Um, and I think it's neat that you did it as a modern instrumentalist. And it's amazing you've been there for 10 years now. I didn't know that. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. So how did that break down? You did. So you did three years in Nashville at Vanderbilt. And I did uh, one semester abroad. Then I came back, uh-huh. finished at Blair. Oh. And then I, because they don't, Vanderbilt doesn't let you graduate from abroad. You have to be on campus right. your last semester. Okay. Oh, uh-huh. um, yeah, for whatever reasons. Uh, three or four months after graduation, I moved back. Oh, here. wow. And was that a difficult application process or, I don't know, getting student visas or something? Um, no, if, if all of the documents you need are clearly organized and legible, then like it shouldn't be fine. It should be fine. So then what has life been like? So then you started a master's program there in Graz, Austria at the Kunstuniversität. What's it called? <laughs> right. Kunstuniversität. Kunstuniversität Graz. Yeah. Um, started here and well, it's been, it's been a roller coaster ride. It's been an exciting one. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, yeah. I started here um, viola performance and really enjoyed working with my teacher, got a whole lot out of it. And that's something I I was also going to say about undergrad. I'm still to this day unpacking little tips and tricks, you know, that I heard during undergrad, like, ah, that's what she meant. And like, oh, I remember that, like, Mm -hmm. that's coming in handy now. So I don't think, you know, learning stopped just because you left campus. So I think those three and a half years I had during undergrad are going to be valuable throughout my whole life. Yeah. Um, Oh, sure. But yeah, I studied here, viola. And um, got a lot out of my teacher. But then I just started branching out. I started playing um, with local ensembles. I got into an orchestra academy that was really educational for me, playing with great players. Uh, was invited by a couple really world-class orchestras to go on tour. I enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. um, then, unfortunately, the working relationship with my professor um, turned sour and the best thing for me to do was leave his class. Mm-hmm. And then I started a master's degree in quartet studies. Did you actually and, like change degrees? or? Yeah, I completely quit the program and I started like totally fresh. Huh. Yeah. And can, can you explain that more? Because I think that's a little different than the U.S. system where kind of if you do a master's program, it's like two years, you kind of you're expected to be done. Was it sort of different over there that like you could kind of study as long as you needed to? Or um, I think you're a master's program. You're allowed to study three years. And then, no, this is how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I enrolled again in a bachelor's for the first semester, so I didn't have to rush my German exam. So then the second year I switched oh. into my master's, all my credits transferred. Um, so in my mm-hmm. fifth semester, um, things started to go downhill And I played, instead of playing in the university orchestra, I went on tour with a group because I wanted to play in the Concertgebouw. (laughs) And uh, instead of, so I got locked out of the program. I had like, I wasn't allowed to study for a semester. And so I was like, not really upset at the time because it wasn't going well with my teacher. So I was like, this is a great time for me to take a break. And Uh I went back to study with him. After yeah. that, after I played in orchestra, yeah. things didn't didn't really get better. So then I realized, you know, right now my heart lies in chamber music and that's what I want to study. So I found the right people for that and I did the degree quickly in, in the allotted four semesters. Yeah. yeah. Since then I've just been freelancing, doing yeah, orchestra work, chamber music, and pursuing a couple other curiosities. <laughs> 
towards the tail end of school and kind of transitioning to being like on your own and making decisions on your own and running your own life, I guess, what are some of the things that you think have really been important as a musician today? Mm, Good question. I think it's very important to define your interpretation of success and what it means to be a successful freelancer. And then also to remind yourself that it's your definition, that you came up with it. Mm. I think it's just very, it's dangerous to start comparing yourself to other types of jobs or maybe other musicians who might only play in one orchestra or might only do chamber music or people who are in a completely different field. Um, So that's, I think, important just to remind yourself, you get to decide what success looks like in your life. And then the other two things that I kind of wanted to talk about today um, that I definitely think are big keywords in the life of a freelancer really should be are routine and balance. Because I think being a freelancer, um, yeah, those are definitely two words we don't associate with that, routine and balance. Yeah. But I think knowing where they fit in and kind of what weight or worth they should have really does help keep the freelancer's universe in balance. Yeah, I think probably not even just for freelancers. I think, I mean, this is something that, you know, all musicians anywhere and, you know, anybody in any career struggles to find a balance between being a workaholic and spending all day practicing or it just engrossing your work versus doing things that are enriching or like spending time with your family if you're neglecting or friends or whatever. I don't know. I have sort of this like knee-jerk reaction sometimes to the word balance as almost if you're like super focused and super dedicated to practicing or preparing for an audition or something. And when people say, oh, you need some more balance in your life. Sometimes I wonder, like, are they just trying to push you in the opposite direction? And is that what you need? Or are they just concerned that, I don't know, you're going to go blind from practicing all night or something? Yeah, well, think about, you know, if you think about scales, um, not the ones we play, um, but like, you know, <laughs> to, to weigh things. The, like Libra scales. Like Libra scales, exactly. Um, you know, the the point is that they're, that they're even, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, when you're practicing really hard, the goal of practicing is not to injure yourself or develop tendinitis or become an insomniac. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that... The concern is not practicing eight hours a day or not doing anything social for two weeks while you practice. The concern is developing an unhealthy habit or developing an injury, you know, like something that you don't want. I think that's the important thing about balance. It's not about uh, not practicing. It's just about making sure you don't go too far. It's kind of keeping things in check. Yeah. Then the other sort of thing that comes to mind is Is balance really necessary? I feel like that you do have to be, especially in music, sort of specialized in what you're able to do because sort of the jack of all trades and master of none isn't really celebrated. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying. I just want to give Anna or Jess a chance to say anything. Michael, I was going to say, sorry, Jess, let me just cut you off before you begin. Please do. This is how our friendship goes anyway. It's okay. <laughs> um, I I just had a thought that I'm sure Jess can carry on, but I think Michael, your knee jerk reaction. Yeah. I would I would venture to say it's tied to the fact that 
Most yeah. people desire balance and reject it. I think, and I, and I believe that's because we're like, yeah, balance sounds good. Let me practice. Mm. And also like, for me, I'll just give my, you know, personal examples here, you know, excel in baking and delicious foods and decorating my home, what, you know, walking my dog, you know, it's like, that sounds great. But when it comes down to it in this specialized world, and when we have upcoming auditions, yeah. balance is not usually a thing. And if it is, if we're like, oh, I feel like I can practice and prepare well for this audition and see my friends for me, be with my husband, like have some good dinners together. But what happens audition week and maybe even like two weeks before the audition, you're freaking out. Yeah. You have everything but balance because there's no like normalcy associated with this preparation yeah. style, which I know right now in this world, Jess is super involved and so I'm sure she can say more about it than I can. Yeah. I'm actually in that week right now. She, she's there. So it's happening. If, if I may for a second, <laughs> please indulge us. First of all, I do think balance is really important, but I think it changes. Like, I don't think balance has to look the same because you have to be healthy. Okay. Like mentally and physically, like practicing eight hours a day, Christian was saying yeah. like you could get injured. Yeah. That's all. Well, that's not very balanced. And you're in trouble. Yeah. Right. So for me, I think balance changes sometimes week to week, month to month, season to season, you know, like whatever. But like right now, let me tell you about my balance. My apartment is a disaster. <laughs> um, I make myself put on jeans to t take my dog on the walk. But usually the second I get back inside, we're back in the yoga pants. I'm eating cereal for dinner. Like this is <laughs> this is the balance. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> And if, but if someone were to come up to you today and be like, you just, you need some balance. You need to take some time off. I would punch them in the face. Yeah. Be like, that's like, not going to help me prepare for this audition. No. And like, I think everyone also reacts differently, you know, to auditions. Okay. Like everyone has their own way of getting ready for yeah. them anyway. So like whatever. And I guess that's my thing. Everyone has a different way of doing it. So like, don't preach to me about that. When... I'm two weeks out and I don't have responsibilities like a family right now. I don't have to factor that in. So yeah, as long as your dog is not peeing in the apartment, take that for what it is. But like, you know, I'm also like have recently moved and like, I don't know anyone here. And if somebody were to walk up to me today on the street and be like, I'd really love to be your friend. I'd be like, check back with me on Wednesday. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not currently accepting applications. Like I for haven't done a lot right of now. social stuff in like six months because I don't know anyone. But this is not the time to start. Like, <laughs> like, <that's just laughs> where I'm at. But I think I think we're looking at balance almost not even through a magnifying glass, through a microscope. I'm talking about a much bigger picture here because yeah. if you are leading this sort of you know a healthy, balanced lifestyle leading up to the audition, that's what makes you fit enough mentally and physically right. to go into hibernation for two weeks or two months. You know, right. the marathon runner is so fit because of all the training that he can afford to go on a three-week cruise and eat whatever he wants and not run because he's trained, He's he's created this balance, enough balance that carries through that difficult period. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, that's really great to zoom out and see the balance as a much bigger part as part of your whole, you know, life or yeah. Part of I, season. I think you know, I'm I'm not talking about this crazy balance of 
you know, like in every moment you have to, and every day you have to make sure you tuck in your sports or tuck in your whatever you're baking or your dog walking into your schedule. Yeah, I like the way Michael put it to zoom out and really just see what your overall structure looks like. Mm-hmm. Is that keeping you healthy mentally and physically? Personally, that was something that was really brought to my attention. Like under, like after my undergrad, because I was definitely not balanced in undergrad and Uh. by my senior year, pretty bad. So like that has really changed the way I played. Like even then when I went on to do my master's, I think I kind of, I am a, you know, fairly habitual person. So like doing something every day, it's not like I'm actually addicted to it, like physically, but it's like mentally, like I need to do it. Routine, for example, like Mm -hmm. I love routine to a degree. And then sometimes I have to like step back for a second because I can get like really inflexible. But like it has changed the way I've played, keeping some of that balance stuff in mind in, in a more general overall life arc type of thing. I think routine probably is a big part of um, setting setting schedule and making sure that you're not just playing video games all day or something, which is very tempting to do if you don't have you know a gig this week or whatever. Or, you know, maybe for me, maybe not for for. Well, for and as a freelance person, that can be really tricky because your schedule changes day to day, sometimes or week to week. So, like, how does how do you guys all deal with that? I hate to interrupt, but we'll have more after a quick word from our sponsors. Per Service blog and podcast is the creative branch of orchestraexcerpts.com, the website I created to help instrumentalists prepare excerpts for orchestra auditions. If you're preparing for an audition, orchestraexcerpts.com makes it easy to listen to multiple recordings of excerpts and follow along with the sheet music on screen in one convenient place. You can also purchase excerpt collections, either clean parts or edited with bowings and fingerings and many other resources. Whether it's for a summer festival, youth orchestra, your school's seating audition, or for the New York Philharmonic, you can find and listen to those excerpts at orchestraexcerpts.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash perservice. They have over 180,000 programs to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Listening to audiobooks is a great way to make use of the time that we spend driving back and forth to gigs or just around town even. Some awesome books for musicians are Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert or The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galway or even The Music Lesson by Victor Wooten. To download your free audiobook today, you can go to www.audibletrial.com slash perservice. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash perservice for your free audiobook. All right, let's get back to it. That's a good question. I think, again, if you if you zoom out and you look at the entire week, rather than saying, okay, I want to get up every day at this time and go for a run before I have my oatmeal breakfast or, you know, whatever, this sort of thing. You might not be able to do that if you have some rehearsals that start at nine that you have to travel an hour and a half to get to or something like this. Mm -hmm. But if you zoom out and say, within this week, I want to go on at least three runs or I want to make these two desserts or I want to watch this movie. You know, like you kind of have a goal, like within this week, I want to accomplish these three tasks aside from music. I think that can also give Uh you the sense of routine. You've planned on it, but you just didn't say when. 
Are you um a list person? No. Is anybody here? You're not a list person. One hundred percent a list person, especially the crossing off part. Okay, so this is my to do list. Uh huh. I'm showing for all of you listeners out there. I'm showing them a to do list, and currently one thing is crossed off. However. Yeah. I like that, like for busy weeks, like to make a to-do list, kind of like what you're saying, Christian, like you're looking at the whole week mm-hmm. and like, you're not saying when this is going to happen, but if it can happen, yeah, then that is like a sense of accomplishment, a sense of routine. Right. So like, and then I'll sometimes add things just to cross them off. I've had to force myself to do that because, you know, do you know those like, uh, like Myers-Briggs, like personality tests? Oh yeah. yeah. All about yeah, it. The, yeah. On the last one, the P versus J, like P is like the, and I'm perceiving or judging it. It's a basically like, are you a free spirit and just like do it, see what happens and go, go with the flow. Or J is like, I have to have a schedule and like have, have my to-do list. And I am like as far on the P side, the free spirit, like, just like, let's, let's leave. <laughs> let's start doing driving and see where, where we end up. And, uh, that doesn't work very well with, um, you know, get this sort of getting stuff done and having routine and, and planning your week ahead. And my wife is, is very high J. And so of course, whenever we clash on things, it's part of like a large scale, like balance that we sort of balance each other out and that she would never leave the house if I wasn't just like, let's just go. And I would, you know, get there and not have packed anything because, you know, she has to make sure that we bring all the right things. And so, so, I mean, it, it works in large scale, but one of the things I've sort of had to do my, and in starting, you know, the podcast and starting the website stuff is, is sort of plan out the week ahead or, at least on like a Sunday evening, kind of write down, okay, these are some of the things that I would like to get done this week. And sometimes I leave that on my laptop so that when I open my laptop on Monday morning, I'm not just like, you know, I'll go look at Facebook for a little while and maybe I'll read the news <laughs> here. And oh, look at some cat video that I need to watch right now. And, then, you know, because like I can waste all sorts of time. You're not helping the musician stereotype, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, but this is this is my life, though. I but well, I think I mean I think lots of people you know struggle with it, like just Facebook. I can you know just lose track all sorts of time, or like I have to habitually check my email. And so there are some things that I've sort of put in place that like don't check your email, you know, before noon. Or I've made Facebook less interesting mm-hmm. by like unfollowing, you know, sort of pruning out, you know, these people that I only met for a couple hours or something. Like I don't need to see every update from their life. So I kind of have like started unfollowing them so that Facebook is a little less interesting. I'm sure that in other professions, people deal with this as well. But I think this is a a good thing to discuss because as musicians, I'm sure that like whether you're P or J at the end of your Myers-Briggs test, um, I think that it must be interesting for anyone who's not a musician listening to us now being like, what are their lives like? Because I'm sure there are people in the business world who have to be on top of things, have a nine to five and maybe struggle with wanting to go and be a free spirit. Um, But I think it is such a unique situation. And the four of us are at the age where we're having to figure this out. And maybe some of you have it more figured out than I do. But I think it's it's so interesting to to see how different people's processes. And for me, I have to, you're saying like, I have to write it down, like these things have to be done this week. If I don't give myself a schedule for the day, and even though I'm bummed sometimes when I give myself a schedule and I'm not successful, um, but if I don't have a daily schedule, uh-huh. I don't get much done. And that's mm-hmm. that's something that I've had to learn about myself. Like weekly goals are great, but I have to have daily goals or else I'm a goner. 
Yeah. Well, I think with uh, freelance musicians, especially, but maybe musicians in general, I don't really know what it's like to have a full time orchestra gig. Like, I don't know what your schedule is like with that. But um, like, as we've said before, it's feast or famine. And that also means like you're either incredibly busy, like doing 16 hour days or it's like. I have nothing on the calendar for months. <laughs> like, so like when there's like vast amount of time stretched out before you, or even like, wow, I'm off for two whole days. I have like nothing. That's for me when it gets really easy to like, Oh, I can watch another episode of this yeah. show. Like, one more, one more. So episode. it just comes <laughs> down to, you got to make yourself do what you got to do. Something else I was thinking about is, okay, if we're looking for a little bit of routine or looking for a little bit of balance, what are the tools we need to develop in order to get that in our lives? Because with the, you know, instant gratification that the internet and Instagram, Facebook, you know, Netflix that it provides, we have basically given ourselves 30 second and YouTube, especially 30 second attention spans. And we've like, you know, nullified and completely diminished yeah. our ability to say no or just like hold off on things. There's zero self-discipline when it comes to yeah. what technology can give us. Well, and I find that interesting um, because I think being a musician is all about yeah. self-discipline. And tremendous amount of focus too. I don't know how many times when you were a kid, it's like, I can't go out and play. I have to practice. When you're making up like, for mom last time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my mom says I can't come over. I have to practice. Um, ah, and then exactly. it turns mom, into like. Mom says I can't come over. Yeah. Well, that's and one I, thing when you're eight. But like yeah. then in college. You have to, you have to decide. Or to do even that. high school. Let's get real. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do that yourself. Yeah. Or you don't, right? Like you get the choice to like do it or not. Yeah, maybe you graduate and you're like, what did I just do? <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. that There are consequences with either decision. It's funny. I do think to a degree that's why musicians get so crazy sometimes <laughs> because and if you're going to practice, there's no point in my opinion in practicing if you're not there mentally and and it's tiring yeah practicing it there are people that will tell you like oh yeah you can practice and watch tv at the same time and it's like eh, what are you doing well, it's not really a thing <laughs> that's 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 definitely like a brass player it's on there like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you're like all there you're all focused i think that's why sometimes in other aspects of our lives we're not as disciplined and again it can ebb and flow so yeah. like depending on what you have going on in your life musically yeah. and personally and like whatever like, for example, sometimes I have attempted to become a runner mm-hmm. and like you have to train to like do races and stuff. It's a real drag. And I kind of am like, I can either train, like be very disciplined in that or I can be very mm-hmm. disciplined in my practice. But like I have a real hard time being as disciplined as necessary in both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just me. I can't do it in all aspects because then I'll mentally my brain will explode. Usually violin wins. And then I just like try to run a race later. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just like just gonna show up and run it and see what happens that's what she actually did <laughs> four times i'm sure you all know the famous japanese writer hurakami oh yes Kami. he he's some good books that are weird yeah i know he was like a 
a club owner or something like that for a while. I think it was pretty sure it was like a disco club or techno club or something. He he owned some sort of club before he became a writer, but then he realized he needed something to like balance him out. And so he's definitely a runner. Mm-hmm. But he talks about, you know, putting so many hours into writing that he has, you know, zero social obligations or social appointments during that time and he he says you know it makes you pretty unpopular and people don't like it when you keep turning down all their invitations and he says but that's the price of getting you know the finished manuscript or all those pages and he goes and i think all of my readers could care less what sort of social life i lead as long as my books are coming out you know that's something that we also ultimately decide at some point as musicians is the music worth it in the long run for me to say no I'm not going out tonight or is the music and a little bit of running or baking or dog walking worth it to say okay then I'm not going to do Netflix this week or I'm not going to do this or that like we talk about Uh you know I I don't have enough time for violin and then this other thing you know we have a hundred percent of time and so if violin gets 40 and the running you know the running is not going to get 60 where are the other 60 percent going you know, it's maybe it's right. 30%. Well, then you still have thirty another 30%. So 10% for sleeping. Where's the other 20%? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so nitpicky and not fun, but at some point you do have to realize or you have to ask yourself, what yeah. can I weed out? What can I say no to? What can I pare down on and say, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. It reminds me, I saw something and I can't remember who it was, but it said like, you have the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce. And like the point is like <laughs> Beyonce is like killing it, she's guys. Getting it done, and guys. like pretty fierce. Like, oh, I could never Man. do that. And you're like, yes, I'm definitely no Beyonce. But the point is, she has 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. I have 24 hours a day. Exactly. Using I'm gonna, them wisely, right? My words to that is, she also has a slew of people, of people around helping her, her. Exactly. doing all this stuff. But yes. someone who doesn't is Joyce Carol Oates. I don't know if you know of her. She's a very famously like prolific American writer, published over 50 novels, tons of essays and all yeah. this stuff. And, you know, people want to say like, wow, she's a genius. She can just write. And she's like, actually, no. She's like, the reason <laughs> is that I sit down every day yeah. and write and write and write. Yeah. And then the next day I rewrite. And she goes, and maybe at the end of the week, I only have a couple of pages or I have 20 or I have 50. But she goes, the only reason I get so much done is because I'm putting in more hours than anyone else. She goes, right. I do it every day. Same thing with Stephen King. He says there's maybe three days a year he doesn't write on. And he goes, and no, they're not my birthday and Christmas. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, they, they're putting in the time and those people are doing it solo. I yeah. think that ties back into what you're saying about your personal definition of success. It's imperative to know exactly what you've defined and that you're meeting that definition for yourself personally and not for anyone else. Because I think for some people, writing and writing and writing is their definition of success. But for other people, mentally, that would be detrimental. And I've discovered living in New York because it's such a busy city. And if you hang out with people, it has to be so intentional because it just takes time to get places. It takes money to hang out. You know, there's there's a whole set of issues here that I have not encountered living in other places. For me, it's been, do the interactions that I have socially with other people, are they going to benefit me? Not just like, I'm going to be selfish and only hang out with this person if they're going to give me a gig. I'm not saying that, but enriching my personal life that will inspire me to be a better musician mm-hmm. is choosing to bake a pie going to inspire my life as a musician because when you've chosen that as your sole path which and this is something I struggle with I don't I definitely don't have all the answers yet I think it all ties into that 
definition of, of success for your personal self. That's huge. Well, I completely agree. Two comments to that, like Joyce Carol Oates says, you know, she says, before I even sit down to write, she goes, if I have an idea, she goes, I'll, I'll take a long walk. I'll really try to let the idea steep. And I think that says something about her definitions of success. I, um, from what I gather, I don't think her goal is to write and write and write. I think her goal is to get her ideas out on paper and, you know, to have a finished work of art. I don't think anyone, I mean, maybe some, you know, sadomasochists or whatever, <laughs> no one wants to just sit and write for hours or only be in a practice room. Like ultimately someone wants that job or that yeah. success or that special concert or that book or that dance performance. And I think that's what they're working for. And if they realize, okay, it takes this amount of hours then I'm going to put it in. And I think someone who's looking for mm -hmm this well-rounded, holistic, artistic experience, then yeah, they will say, hey, I'm going to take this walk today or I'm going to go out into the city and do this and that because that might unlock a new artistic perspective that I need in my playing or that I need in my dancing or writing. You know, it's not just about only putting in the time, but it's yeah. also putting in the, the new mental pictures or the new colors or thoughts or smells or sounds like I think this all becomes the material that we can eventually, you know, put on the canvas. All right. Do you guys think self-disciplined, the term self-discipline is synonymous with sacrifice? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. It, or, or maybe or go hand least, in hand. Maybe like delayed gratification. Maybe it's I'm going to put in tons of hours now because you know after the audition is over i can take a break and go on vacation or after school is over then i can i don't know travel or then i can hang out more but right now i have i have to do the work now i do think you know whether you're a musician or like i think a professional athlete would say the same thing like there's a lot of sacrifice involved i don't know and i kind of think it goes at, you know at times hand in hand with self-discipline like christian was saying like do you make the decision to go out tonight or yeah. stay in let that percolate yeah so real quick, I guess we'll wrap this up. Were there any other kind of tools or tricks or sort of um, filters or things that you've put in your life to promote a routine or balance or things, little, little kind of self hacks that you've found that kind of help you maintain a more balanced and productive hmm. uh, life? I think on busy gig days for me, I think the, the question of what to do with the days that you don't have work, um, that's, I'm still working on what that should look like, honestly. But I think for the weeks where you have work every day and you can feel fulfilled in the fact that you're busy and working, which is great. As you know, like Jess said, I'm preparing for an audition and my apartment's a wreck. And that often mm -hmm. happens during busy weeks for us, I'm sure. I don't know, unless you're a neat freak, which I try to be, but it comes and goes. It comes in waves. Oh, yeah. So I, I really love order. I desire it for sure. The thing that I've learned during those busy days is that it's imperative to do whatever you need to do for yourself in the morning, whether it's uh, reading and meditation, some quiet time reflection for me has been an imperative in having a successful gig week or even gig day. Because I think if you don't take that time for yourself and you're just like, waking up at the last minute and rushing out the door and rehearsals for hours and you come home, mm. you're not fulfilled as a human, I don't think. That's been really important for me. I think it's important for me to schedule as many things as possible back to mm -hmm. back. 
And so that I don't give myself these kind of, you know, two hour holes or things like that. Cause I'm sometimes like if I'm in a real cram, I can get some productive work done in that time. But most of the time I'm just like, Oh, I could go to this cafe or I could take care of this or that. Like it's not usually the most productive. So I just try to be wise with my time. And then another good thing is whatever work I don't want to do or whatever, you know, even if it's like wanting to go on a run, Mm -hmm. but like, ugh, not wanting to put on, you know, the running shorts and shoes and stuff, just try to make those decisions Mm -hmm. non-emotionally, just like do them, not think about it. And then, cause once you're like in Mm -hmm. the run, you know, then it's fine. It's the same thing with going to the pool for a swim. Like I hate getting in the cold water, but like after I'm on my third lap, I'm fine. Even for practicing, I feel that way. So like once I get the case opened and it tuned, I'm good to go. But there's a lot of resistance to even starting. Yeah. 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 Just letting letting those kind of, you know, initial starts uh that's brilliant christian so emotional. yeah really not good. emotional yeah. i'm gonna take that into my own week you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> i've been using an app but you don't have to use an app you could just you know use an actual like journal but the, the app i use is called day one and it's just a simple sort of journaling app that if i have a little notification at like 4 45 that goes off kind of at the end of the quote unquote the end of the day that I kind of just write a little something. I don't always hit every day in a row, but I try to just kind of think back of how the day went. And I found that when I know that I have to, when that notification goes off and I have to sort of write, like today was a good day. I got some practicing done. I got some other work done. I exercised. That feels good. But the days, (laughs) it's hard to write like, huh, I watched a lot of Netflix today. Didn't really feel great. When I kind of think back on how the day really felt, it's very motivating to kind of, I don't know, be a little more present. When I really think about it, when I'm running like, hmm, I spent a lot of time reading current events today. If I, if you really took a long view and, and, you know, it's not like I want my gravestone to read here lies Michael. He read a lot of news, you know, or like he, 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 uh, you know, always replied to emails. It's not, that's not something that I want to be, you know, really known for. That's a very, very long, you know, zoomed out view. So, uh, that's, that's my little, little tip or trick. Cool. All right. Uh, are we going to say our names? Sounds good. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that that's, that's it for today. Yes. Uh, yeah. I've been Michael O'Giblin. What's the order? <laughs> I'm Jessica Wiersma. <laughs> I'm Anna Luce. Hold on. It's Michael, Anna, is it? Do we have like an acronym for this? I forgot the order, oh, I guys. Thought it was an, I couldn't remember. There, there is an order, and I thought it was second, but I second-guessed myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wearsma. I'm Christian Marshall. Well, that is our show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to see all the points from our conversation today, you can find them in the show notes online at www.perservice.co forward slash five. Like the number. There's no spaces in that. It's P-E-R-S-E-R-V-I-C-E dot co slash five. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review in iTunes. It won't take you very long at all, and it would mean a lot to us because it helps other musicians find our show. And we want to hear from you. What does balance and routine mean to you, or what are some of the things you have put in place to get more of them? 
tell us in the comments at perservice.co slash five. Or do you have a question that you'd like to ask us? You can use the SpeakPipe widget that's on the show notes page at perservice.co slash five. Or do you have a good gig of the week story you could share with us? You can record it on that same SpeakPipe widget or record it on your phone voice memo and email it to us at hey at perservice.co. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Be well and practice well.